0: Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is Celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campus over in uh, Stevens Point joins with us now. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us. Again, welcome to our campus in Stevens Point. All those who are still at home watching online, those on the internet all around the world watching as well, we're glad to have you with us. Before we go any further, we pause now just for a minute to uh, take our offering, which is done virtually uh, via online. Uh, Those of you who have our Celebration app, you can pull that up and give there. Those of you online watching at celebrationchurch.tv, there's a button to give. And the rest of you can give, uh, no matter where you are, uh, at least in the US, uh, by phone. You can take your cell phone and type a message. Send a message to this number, 77977. That's the number you're going to text to. And in the message box, put CCWI, which stands for Celebration Church Wisconsin, this is where we're at, and then the amount you want to give. So 77977 is the number you're going to text to. And then CCWI and the amount you would like to give. And this will be very helpful. And those of you who still like to give uh, in person or whatever, there's uh, buckets and stuff that you can give on the way out uh, and do it that way. So a lot of people send in checks via mail. And however you do it, however you want to honor God in your life with your money, uh, we appreciate that. And I'll be talking just a little bit about that in in just a minute. Uh, It is now Labor Day uh, coming up tomorrow, the official, unofficial, I guess, end of summer. Uh, we've had a great summer this year. I don't know if you guys, I have loved it. It's been the bomb. It's like in Florida. It's been hot, and uh, but now fall's kicking in. I'm already digging the cooler temperatures, and soon the color of the trees changing. And I am looking forward to winter. Believe it or not, I enjoy the first part of winter. It's the last six months I have a hard time with. <laughs> So, uh, but to that part, we will enjoy. So good times coming up. Um, Now that uh, people are in school or pretend school or whatever the world is, I don't know what they're doing. Uh, We are starting our children's ministry next Sunday. So, yeah. (laughs) Take them, Jesus. Take them, Jesus. Yes. So uh, (laughs) you can bring your little rugrats and uh, say, are you going to have social distancing? You know, we're going to minimize... Uh, Touched and stuff, but there's no way you can do that So if you're still ultra concerned about that Then uh, you can stay home with your little rascals Other than that, we'll be more conscious of it But they're going to be gathering and looking forward to that 60 days out from our election We are in the midst of full-blown crazy at this time Uh, Hard to imagine It's actually going to get worse before it's all over with uh, check your medication be fine relax. Don't go crazy. I know God is not stressed out one bit Of course he has the advantage of already knowing who's going to win, but he's not stressed out <laughs> One bit and you shouldn't either you know I know they always You know, said this is the most important election of our lifetime you know I'm at least 26 years of age by now, and it's been a while All of my life, every election is this is the most important election of our lifetime. So, you know, when you hear that, and they're trying to get you all in a lather, breathe. All right, it'll be fine. If your guys, I tell you if my guy wins, I'm gonna be happy. If my guy loses, I'm gonna be happy. You know, my hope does not last in this world. If you're a hardcore Republican, you have already survived. You know, the last few Democratic guys. If you're a hardcore Democrat, you've survived the last few Republican guys. It's not the end of the world. I'll tell you what I will not be doing if my guy loses. I will not be sitting in a ball in a corner crying my eyeballs out and looking for the nearest can can of gasoline. All right? Just relax. You know, And I get it. People who don't know God in their lives, this is a big deal to them. Disproportionately so. Their whole hope in life is this world. And if that's your hope, man, it sucks to be you, is all I got to say. Our hope as believers, we're involved in this world, and we should be involved, but this is not our final say. You know, this is not the world in which we are answerable to. We have joy unspeakable, full of glory. Christians have tolerated horrible regimes for the last 2,000 years. At least they're not throwing us to the lions, yet. All right. So, you know, just, it's going to be fine. <laughs> people have lost their minds. <laughs> you know, every single, I, you know, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm, I can't stop. <laughs> you know, every single election, this is in general speak, is, is decided by 5 to 7% of the people out there. It's, it's like this, 45% of the people are going to vote for the Democrat come hell or high water. 45% of the people are going to vote for the Republican from hell or high water it's always decided by that five percent six seven percent now how at this point there's five to seven percent of people who haven't made up their minds yet what hole have they been living in i don't know it might be some of you sitting here i'm not trying to be mean it's like hello so you know just however it and i'll tell you what the determining factor of what's going to happen to how those people decide hasn't even happened yet yep. it'll happen in the last two three weeks before the election Everything been going on, it's just, it's just got people more entrenched than ever. It'll, who knows if things are good for the incumbent, he'll win. If things are bad for the incumbent, less, then he'll lose. It's always been that way. It'll always be that way. Again, we have a God in heaven. He is not going to wake up on November 4th and go, oh, myself. You know, he's, he's fine. He knows what's going to happen. It'll be... What am I talking about? Uh, We're looking uh, this morning into Exodus, the 12th chapter, starting at verse 1. And uh, let's read here. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So God sets uh, their first month. It's about the time of March and April to us. That's really when the Jewish New Year starts we and in the, what are they the colors our Gregorian calendar or whatever. So I don't know Anyway, so that's that's when it starts for them and uh, Put it in context of what's going on at this point uh, They go into Egypt Following Joseph which we talked about a couple of weeks ago when they get to there um, They give they turn to Pharaoh for everything and as I warned you last week That's a dangerous thing when the government becomes your source Things won't always be good. Have, do your best. Work hard. Thank God to live in a country where you can still control what's going on in your life. Don't be looking to Uncle Sam. The more you give him, the more he's going to want back. It's just the way it works. And uh, so they give everything to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's taking care of everybody. And then he turns around and decides to put all of them, all the Jews, into slavery. For 450 years, they are slaves and they are miserable. Finally, they've been crying out to God all this time. Hundreds of years. You think you're having a bad week? Relax. These guys, 450 years before their prayer gets answered. That's when Moses shows up, tells Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, you're crazy. I didn't let nobody go. And so God starts bringing a bunch of plagues on the people. Uh, The water turns to blood is one plague. They have a plague of frogs, a plague of gnats or lice. (laughs) Flies, livestock's a disease, everybody has boils all over their body, hail comes down, trashes everything, locusts, you know, you can still see herds of locusts to this day, if you ever look online, when they come, it's unbelievable, it, it, fills, it darkens the sky and they eat everything, well this is worse than that, this is a major plague of locusts. A darkness over the earth, one thing after another, one thing after another, one thing after another. You would think, I mean, if I'm Pharaoh, I'd say, you know, just after the frogs, okay, go. I'm not a frog kind of guy. But they endure all of this, and they won't let it go, why? Why would they tolerate all this misery stuff? You know why? Money. Money, it's all about money, money, money. They love their money. And and the Bible warns us, look out for the love of money. These people, slaves, anybody who has a business knows that your number one, or an organization, a church like this, our number one expense is people. Now, can you imagine having your business where you don't have to pay people as a business owner? That's a fabulous idea to me. You know what I'm talking about? But most people wouldn't like that. The only way you can do it is to force people. So they had this whole, they had a nation of people of slaves. They didn't have to pay. All they had to do was keep them you know, fed basic necessities, but they had to give them nothing. And they are making out like a bandit. They are people, when you read that story, the bottom line, people will tolerate anything for money. Man, don't do that. Don't get caught up. Your life is all obsessed by money. It's one of the good things about uh, taking offerings. This is a good time for you to give some money. And I'm not talking tipping like the waitress down at the you know, local whatever. It should sting a little bit when you give. Give something substantial. And it's because it's a way to always remind yourself this will not hold me. I am not going to let my life be determined by the love of money. I'm not going to be a s- oppressed, psychotic nut job because I'll tolerate anything for money, 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 money. Me. Just do- That's why you ought to give. Every time you come, I'm giving. I'm, I'm going to let go some of this stuff because it's not going to hold on me. And that's why they tolerated all this stuff. Then finally, God comes up with the final play. He says, this is going to do it. They'll finally surrender with this one. And he says, I'm going to send the death angel and the firstborn of every family is going to die. How many here are you? The firstborn of your family. Let me see your hands. Okay. Yeah, you're all dead. All right. So, <laughs> thankfully, I'm number two. <laughs> but the first, they're all gone. You say that's terrible. I'm telling you, God warned him, warned and warned and warned and warned him. All right. Here we go. And it's going. This death angel is going to come. And this is when God starts talking to Moses. Starting jumping back now at verse three. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the 10th of this month, they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. Now, if a household is too small uh, for a whole lamb, you know, they can join with their neighbor, da 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 The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat it. Now, your lamb shall be without blemish. In other words, a valuable lamb. Why? It's going to cost them. A year-old male, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats, We don't care. It's just got to be a lamb. You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel will slaughter at twilight. So you're holding on to this lamb, this really valuable lamb, because that's the currency of the day. And then take this thing, slaughter it, uh, and they shall take some of the blood from it and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the house in which they eat. So they're supposed to splatter this blood on on their door. And they shall eat the lamb that same night. And they shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw. Okay. Or don't boil it in water. So no fish boils here. But roast it over the fire with its head still on it with the legs still on it and the inner organs still in it. They didn't, they didn't even get the thing. Just take it and throw it on the fire. Now, let uh, none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. So whatever's left over, burn it up. Now this is how you shall eat it. Your loins are, which means get dressed. Don't sit around in your underwear like many of you at home at this moment. And uh, <laughs> Get, get dressed, put sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and eat it in a hurry. That was the command. When they got together with the Passover, okay, you ready? Everybody's got the thing. We're, we're ready to go. We're ready to leave the house. Now everybody eat. So that is their Passover. Now, I don't know if they still do it at that level today. They don't do a lot of things that like they use to, but that was the whole thing. They were supposed to do it in a hurry. Eat quickly. Now, my gorgeous wife at home this morning watching and uh, uh, she, she eats fast, man. Baby, you'd fit right in with this crowd. We'll get a burger, so I got two bites in. I look over at hers, and she's eyeing mine. Because cause hers is gone. I'm like, get back, woman! Let me take a bite. No! Why do you eat so fast? I was hungry. Anyway, so they eat it in a hurry. It's the Passover of the Lamb, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt uh, both human beings animals on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments I am the Lord he doesn't actually the death angel goes uh, and the blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you live when I see the blood so whenever the death angel came and he's wiping out all these firstborn any home that had this blood on it they passed over it that's why it's called Passover. that's where the Passover comes from it's the death angel passing over if the death angels in town I want him the pass over. All right, don't stop at my place. So, uh, it shall be, uh, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. This is like This is one of the major celebrations of the Jewish culture to this day, Passover. It starts then and they've been celebrating it every year since then. This is like a big deal in fact it was just before jesus went to the cross his last supper was actually the passover see they were celebrating the passover and then he stops and he says take this bread It was unleavened bread the reason for the unleavened bread is they didn't have time to make it rise everything was i mean they were literally so get dressed keep your sandals on have your staff in your hand get ready like you got to be ready to go we're gonna go they were they were like in this major hurry uh, with this thing uh, and anyway that's when he said this is my body this is my blood and we still celebrate that to this very day. As we will celebrate now it's the Lord's Supper uh, and it transitions at that point because he's, he becomes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world you see all the time is really quite beautiful here so anyway so it's a it's a celebration now what's really interesting is the very first Passover is a celebration of an event that has not happened yet now they celebrate they get it well we're celebrating what happened but in the first passover we're celebrating what are we celebrating i don't know (laughs) hasn't happened yet so they're literally celebrating something that hasn't happened as if it had happened Uh, which is a fascinating thing about god we read in romans the fourth chapter uh, paul the apostle is writing about abraham says as it is written i've made you a father of many nations In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead. And here's the key part. God calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Isn't that fascinating? You see, time, God is not tied by time. One of the most fascinating things about faith, faith actually is a celebration of your answer before you get it. Did you catch that? Faith is when you celebrate the answer before you get it. You come, you sing, you celebrate God. You're giving thanks to God. You've got some serious needs in your life, but you're at peace because you've been committing them to God in prayer. You're convinced the answer is on its way, and you celebrate and you praise God. It's easy to praise God after you get the answer. Faith is I praise God and thank him before I have the answer. Are you getting this? James writes about this. The Apostle James, James the first chapter, verse 2, he says, My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. The context is to celebrate. It's like having a party. It's like inviting your friends over and we're celebrating that my life really stinks. But it's a celebration. It's Christians celebrate things being good before they get good. Right? I mean, it's a fascinating something that the world just doesn't understand. They all think we're a little bit nuts. Which... We're all a little bit nuts. Just, it depends on how nuts you are. <laughs> but that's what faith is. So that's in the Passover. God had them celebrating something that had not happened yet. Isn't that fascinating? It's done quickly. Do it quick. Be dressed. Get ready to go. Don't even gut the lamb. Uh, get a staff in your hand. Put your sandals on. Eat it in a hurry. Be ready. But it hadn't happened yet. Isn't that fascinating? There's a sense, part of this whole thing is celebrating the sense of being ready for God in your life. Um, Jesus often taught us, in fact, the Bible tells us to celebrate and to be ready because the scripture said, you know, we know the Messiah came the first time. And Jesus said, I'm coming back again. We all know he's coming back someday. We just don't know when. And oftentimes, Christians will sit there and debate when it's all going to happen. It doesn't really matter. All that's not important. What's important is that we're ready. Every time in the Bible it talks about the end of the world and all the creepy things that are going to happen, it just wraps it up with, therefore, be ready. Knowing what's coming, be ready. And we only know things in a general sense. You know, prophecy, you don't know what it means until it happens. And then when it happens, you go, oh, that's what it means oftentimes people spend an inordinate amount of time trying to decipher what the prophecies mean and they tell you what well, this is going to happen and this is going every time i listen to these prophecy conferences and i know some of you love that stuff and god bless you you know at least you're not drunk in the streets you know but they but they get all into this prophecy stuff. like but a lot of it's just an exercise in futility you don't know what's going to happen and the guy talking to you doesn't know what's going to happen they're just guessing they're just guessing By the way, I read this morning on uh, on my little Fox News app, and it's probably still on there if you want to cheat during the sermon and take a look. Um, They said scientists are baffled because they're finding that the moon is rusting. It's rusting. And they said, they don't even know how is it possible because you need water and air for things to rust. But they're coming up and they say, well, we found there's some evidence of water somewhere on the moon and maybe there's little pieces of air. They don't know. The articles. they don't know. The, how can the moon rust, for heaven's sakes? But then I thought of the scripture. One of the main prophecies of the end times is that the moon will be turned to blood, is what it says. Now, most uh, people have always interpreted that to be the color of the moon. Then people have said for a long time, what they think is going to happen is going to be some kind of, you know, Uh, Atmospheric thing that's going to change so that when we see the moon, uh, it's going to look red. And that's what I, 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 that seems reasonable to me, right? You know, someday there's going to be something in the air, too much pollution, I don't know, whatever. And then the sun's going to be, and that'll be a sign. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think the moon could actually turn red. Because that's what it looks like when it turns to rust. It'll look red. Now I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if that story's even true. I have no idea. But what will happen is if it happens, we're all going to go, oh, that's what that meant. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That's the purpose of the prophecy. So that when it happens, after it happens, you go, oh, that's what it meant. That's so don't get crazy trying to figure out stuff out. I don't know. Maybe it literally turns to blood. I have no idea. That would be creepy. <laughs> but isn't that something? I was reading? It's starting to ru- How can the moon rust? But it's It's rusting. And it's starting to change the color in parts of the moon. Now, they're probably thinking this will happen over millions of years. That's always their thing, right? They're the millions of years. But wouldn't it be a freak if it happened over a real short period of time and it just accelerated? I'm telling you. I look up and that moon gets redder and redder. I'm like, ooh, it's time to get out of here. (laughs) Right? Be ready. Time to eat my food faster. (laughs) Keep my staff in my hand, put on my sandals, eat it in a hurry, Jesus is coming. Yes. Be ready. Jesus, talking about his second coming in Luke, the 12th chapter, verse 35. He tells people, be dressed for action. What does that sound like? That Passover, right? Be dressed for action. Have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet. So that they may open. We just had a wedding banquet, you know. So, uh, so the door is open for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them ready, so uh, blessed are those slaves. But know this: if the owner of the house had known at what time the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. He's using different analogies about being ready. He says, so you should be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. Indeed, an unexpected hour. We don't know. And by the way, every so often, you'll hear in the news, some nitwit claims to have figured out the biblical numerical hidden numbers and they know what day Jesus is going to come back. Wasn't that many years ago that was going around again? Every so often this goes around. And I'll have people in the church call me up and say, is Jesus really coming that day? I go, maybe. (laughs) Nobody knows. Nobody knows what anybody says they know. They're full of it. Jesus said no one will ever, ever know. So get a clue. When someone says they know, they are crazy. They don't know. Nobody knows. The point of all of this is just be ready. Live in an attitude of preparedness. Don't let the world rock you to sleep. Don't get so caught up in I'm telling you, some of us, we're not in a good place. We find out Jesus is coming next week, some of y'all going to be depressed. <laughs> oh, my, my wedding's in three weeks. I didn't want to wait until you know, next week and he hold it a few weeks. Some of you say, oh, i just getting ready to retire. I've been working all my life. And I would, you know, Don't get so sucked up in this world. Now, you've got to be prepared. You've got to make your plans. You've got to think it through. you got to be smart. I get that. But don't let this stuff hold you. As we talked about with the money, don't let it hold you. You want to live in an attitude of an open hand, like the Passover. Be ready to go. Anyway, so, number one, they celebrate something that hasn't happened yet, which is true faith. I'll tell you, you really know you're in a place of faith when you are desperately needing something from God, and you're praying, and you are filled with hope. We talked about that, right, a month or so ago. Hope is when you know it's coming language changes over time, you know. Now today, hope means I wish. You know, is something going to happen? Oh, I hope so. That's not hope. That's not the definite. If you look at it still, I'm sure it's going to change eventually because that's the way everybody thinks today. It's a wish. Hope is not, hope is I know it's coming. As Christians, we are filled with hope. It's not a wish, I hope so. It's I know so. It's like when you order on Amazon and you click and you are filled with hope. Why, because you know it's coming, right? Man, there's a lot of Amazon boxes that show up at our house. It's mystery day. What did Deanna buy today? Let's take a look. Two boxes came in yesterday, I didn't even bother. Here you go. So, uh, but you're filled with hope. It's coming, something's coming. That's the kind of hope. And then you celebrate the event even though it hasn't come yet. That's faith, that's divine hope. And that's the way we should live. And then secondly, we need to have an attitude of being ready. Don't be caught up and don't let the world get its tentacles in you that you can't move and act. And then finally, uh, they celebrated the fact that the death angel passed over them. Uh, what protected them? Do you remember in the story? I just read it. What was it? The blood. The blood. The blood. When I see the blood of the, angel, of the lamb, the death angel will pass over. Jesus protects us through his blood. And here's the thing about the blood. The blood when the angel came over and saw the blood he, it wasn't based on whether or not the people inside were good it wasn't based on whether the people inside deserved it it wasn't based they might have been rascals you know it was a whole nation of people i'm sure not everybody was nice <laughs> some, some guys were probably major jerks you know in fact these some of these people just a few months from this time after they get out of Egypt, turn into nightmares. Well, they were all part of that group. Why did the angel protect them? Because of the blood. It didn't matter who they were. and it wasn't. That's the same. That's what I'm saying. That's the same that happens with us with the blood of Jesus that we celebrate when Jesus died on the cross. If you're the kind of person, if someone says to you, are you going to go to heaven when you die? I say, well, I hope so. You know, that, that wish kind of thing. Or, oh, I'm a pretty good guy. Or, Know, don't think in those kind of terms. That's not what saves us. What saves us is the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of you, yeah. Right. Some of y'all are really, really, really nice people. And a lot of you are like me. And uh, the good news is it doesn't depend on that. Now, should we be nice? Yes, we should. <laughs> I still have issues. I'm working on it, okay? but. But our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. This is what changes everything. This is our hope. This is what we celebrate. You can't, don't compare yourself to people. Because everybody thinks, you know, you talk to people that don't understand faith. Well, you know, I'll go to heaven because I'm not as bad as my neighbor. You know, I'll go to heaven because, you know, I'm not like my mother-in-law. You know, I'm going, you know, I'm not as bad. They compare, you can always find someone a lot worse than yourself. And usually they live close to you in so one way or another. And, and you think, well, that makes me okay. No, it doesn't. Just because you find a rascal worse than you doesn't change anything. This means they got more, <laughs> more problems than you. We're all a mess. The Bible says there is no one that is right. Think about that. You think, well, there's people, oh, they're great, they're good people, they're, you know, they're okay. God says nobody's right. We're all jacked up. Every, we have all been poisoned by the poison of sin. And thank God Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. He then, as I said, uh, becomes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Ephesians, the se- uh, second chapter. There is no seventh chapter. <laughs> Ephesians, the second chapter, verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's the gift of God. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. So when I go to church a lot That won't even do it. Going to church doesn't turn you into a Christian any more than sleeping in your garage turns you into a Chevy. (laughs) You have to encounter the living Christ and let the blood of Christ into your life. That cleanses you from sin. Peter, in the first chapter of his epistle, 1 Peter, first chapter, starting at verse 18, you know that you were ransomed, we were purchased, from the feudal ways inherited from your ancestors. He's talking to Jews Uh, they had the attitude that they were righteous because they were from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all these wonderful people we read in in the Bible. And Jesus told man, don't don't think because Abraham's your father is going to do you any good. Okay? We all have to deal with God. He says, You were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like gold and silver. You can't buy this, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish what does that sound like that reminds us of passover find a lamb without defect or blemish john the baptist looked at jesus coming says behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world jesus is the ultimate final lamb it is his blood that causes us to be uh saved and to have the life of god in us and remember jesus at that last commute at that uh, last passover turns it now into communion where he says this is my body broken for you as unleavened bread just like from the passover and and the wine and uh as representing his blood and he says do this in remembrance of me so that's what we're going to do right now we're going to get ready to take communion i'm going to ask the musicians to come back out our musicians over in Stevens point can come up on their platform as well as we get ready to wrap this up oh by the way i've Uh, Our board meeting uh, is meeting tonight uh, to decide things, but we think we finally have a building so that we can open our Fox City campus back up. So we're looking forward to that. (laughs) So hopefully very shortly they will be joining us again as well. But anyway, these guys can come up as we are going to go into our time of communion. Um, Before we do that, let me pray with all of you. I've been talking about the blood of Jesus forgives us of our sin, cleanses us of our sin, the Bible says before we take of our version of Passover, because now the, 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 the punishment of sin passes over us now because of what Jesus did on that cross when we celebrate uh, his body and his blood. He says, but before you do this, examine yourself. It's a time to reflect inwardly. How have you been doing? How was your week? Some of you did great. Some of you not so good. Some of you feel with the dread. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. You know, what do you do in situations like that? Well, you don't let guilt build up. You just get it right. And you come to God and you ask him for forgiveness. And that's what we're supposed to do uh, before we do this. So let's bow our heads. And I'm going to pray a prayer of forgiveness over all of us. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, we want to pause and examine our own hearts. If we've sinned against you in any way, In thought word or deed maybe something we did maybe something that we didn't do that we should have done if we haven't loved you with our whole heart if we haven't loved our neighbors as ourselves for the sake of your beloved son Jesus who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins the son the the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world have mercy on us we pray forgive us of all of our sins strengthen us in all goodness and by the power of your Holy Spirit Keep us in eternal life. And as your heads are bowed, uh, this morning, if you're listening to me, maybe you've never even taken that first step of getting a hold of the Lamb of God in your life. Just right now, in your own words, ask Jesus to come into your life. Say, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. So that you can start to experience this wonderful thing that we've been talking about this morning. And you too can start your very first steps of faith with us on this journey. Amen.